The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, what we did anyway, here at the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Uh, I am your host, your North Star upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined by my ever-faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? I am not too bad. If you're the North Star, what does that make me? One of the wise men? Uh, my baby Jesus? You are you're the Baba Jesus. That's yes, I've always said that about you. I will take Very that. holy. <laughs> Never been bet. <laughs> Never bet in your life, son. How are you, friend? I am. I'm in good form. It's been a bad Monday, but I'm in good form. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've taken an uncharacteristic break in between episodes. We usually do these two at a time, so we're kind of a bit recharged. Normally, the second episode in a block of recording, we're a bit leggy. Um, yeah, by the end of the last one, I was ill. <laughs> yeah, we we called an audible and ended the session at that. Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm roaring, ready to go. I'm I'm in between uh, blocks of holiday. I had a couple of days off. Um, well, a couple of enforced days off uh, because I ended up uh, getting like I've been kind of sticking my head so deep in work that I ended up getting run down and told I have to take time off because I gave myself an infection. Oh no. Yeah, it's good time. So I took a few days off work, and then I'm. I, it's only kind of biding my time because I'm going off on holidays to to London to the London Podcast Festival um, next weekend. Unfortunately, we won't be there, Lee. No, uh, not, not this in a year. Professional capacity. Not this, not this year. year. I'll do my networking. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, try, try and meet up with uh, Kevin Mann. I actually that is that. Those are the two podcasts <laughs> I'm going to are both of his. <laughs> So yeah, shout out to Kevin Mann from the Attitude Era podcast. Lovely man. I, I had him on my my other podcast, Link to the Cast, before talking about video games. Um, a couple of times. So I'm going over. Well, really, I was going over to see my mates who live in London. But the London Podcast Festival happens to fall around the time every year that I get to go over there. So it works out great that I'm going to go see. Uh, what is it, I think How to Wrestling is on early on the Saturday, and they're talking about like the best and worst of wrestling music, which hype. Brilliant. Let me tell you, yeah. uh, that is a subject I am well versed in. And uh, then the Attitude Era podcast later on that day, uh, talking about I think it's uh, wrestlers in TV advertisements. Okay, that should be very fun. Yeah, and uh, look, we're not getting paid any coin by by Kevin and the lads. We won't say no to it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to going there. B- big fan of their podcast. Mm. Um, all the podcasts associated with, with with that kind of little mini podcast universe. 
Um, and we're also going to go see a, a Mark Kermode film podcast on the Friday night, but I don't think that's associated with the festival. I think that just happens around that time of the month anyway. He, um, he kind of piggybacks off it. That's Kermode for you. You're a real <laughs> leech. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my, my holidays up ahead. So I'm in a cool, relaxed mode. I've only got about a day and a half worth of work to knock out during the week. And then I am, it's plain sailing for me. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, I'm trying to think anything in the big world of wrestling. I guess um, we had uh, AEW's pay-per-view uh, all out happened uh, last weekend. Um it did yeah the last show before they go on TNT before wrestling returns to Turner um, enjoy the show I thought it was a great show um, I had asked yourself and Johnny on the Sunday morning whether it was worth watching and you both said yeah well worth a watch and yeah. I had to say I was blown away yeah I think kind of funnily enough almost um, I feel like it was <laughs> it was almost like a WCW pay-per-view um, in as much as there was some sloppy stuff, there was uh, like really good stuff on the the undercard all the way up, and then the main event featured at least one man who was past his prime and was probably a little bit disappointing on the whole. Ah, but, come um, on, that's not way to talk about Adam Page. Hey, here he is. <laughs> um, but that's a that's a weird thing considering like who we're a massive fan of on this program than the year of our Lord twenty nineteen. Um, Chris Jericho is going to be the world champion for a televised national promotion <laughs> that's debuting on Turner in, in a month. Well, I mean, it's kind he, of funny. He never got his WCW title run on Turner, so it's true. Yeah, like this is it's crazy. Um, and you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. Jericho's still on top, and probably you know, in, in terms of like the kind of stuff we talk about, probably the best guy you could have gone with in the company for all the like he's not in his prime technique wise anymore like he has legitimately been on television for about 25 years nearly oh yeah like he has that like if you're changing channel and you see chris jericho you're gonna go oh this is different i wasn't expecting this and kind of you might hang around yeah not only is he a household name um but as well as that he was legitimately wrestling on turner the last time that was wrestling on turner so there you go um yeah. also the fact that he's 80 percent vodka these days yeah and that's all, always worth watching yeah, yeah, your dad's gotten sloppy at the football game uh, and whipped the shirt off. Um, shall we get into it, my friend? I suppose we better. Uh, our first thing is to uh, chat about what we're pairing our Thunder with, uh, our, our adult beverages at the ready, um, because Thunder requires uh, such sustenance to endure sometimes. So uh, what have you gone with this week? For this week, like I said, it was a bit of a hard Monday, so looking yeah. forward to the podcast, I said, I think I'll forego a beer this week, and instead, oh, here he is. I'm back on the whiskey. Oh, oh, bourbon whiskey? No, no, Re- oh. real Irish stuff. Oh, hello, now you're now you're playing, now you're playing in my ballpark, friend. We got a 12-year-old Jameson. Oh, oh. Beautiful. Top class. Beautiful. Goes down real smooth. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, sometime when the day eventually comes where we record a podcast in the same room if ever we record one in my house there is currently uh, what can only be described as an unreasonable excess of bourbon and whiskey so we will be it could get sloppy yeah we will be you'll probably have to stay the night on the couch with the dog I've slept with worse 
I, I mean, we. <laughs> oi, oi. Thank God my wife doesn't it, listen to us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, like, at this point, anyone who knew Lee in his younger years has just been absolutely slayed by that one. Um, I have gone for. I, I'm sticking with beer uh, at this current time. I'm going with uh, from the Wicklow Wolf Brewing Company. I've gone with an Elevation Pale Ale, which is described on the the bottle as American style pale ale brewed the Wicklow way. Now I'm not sure how you can have an American style drink that's brewed in a distinctly rural Ireland sort of way, but I'm going to find out. That's if this bottle cap will actually. Come off. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it sounds like you're having a fight with the bottle. Never mind. Drinking. Yeah, it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a back and forth. Thought I was going to have to put the sucker over. <laughs> so it's a Wicklow brew, brewed in American way. Yeah. What? Oh, that's quite nice. What does that mean, though? What What is the American way? Um, when I've had American pale ales in the past or blonde ales, they tend to be more fruity than their European counterparts and this is no exception it is quite fizzy it's it's fizzing up a little bit um but it's yeah it's got a kind of like I'm trying to think of the aftertaste it's kind of like a grapefruity aftertaste maybe it's not unpleasant I'll say that sounds different mmm sorry this is a very messy podcast I already started I'm just trying to get rid of like it's continuous <laughs> I'll give Fizz updates as we get on here, but uh, let's not stand on ceremony any longer uh, and get into the thunder of it all. This is Thunder episode 14, dated April 16th, 1998, um, in <laughs> Fargo, North Car, and then this was, the, was it Tony that said this at the very start of the show, went to say it was Fargo, North Carolina, and then corrected himself and said it was Fargo, North Dakota, mm-hmm. Um classic classic shivani <laughs> the start um the cold open uh for this program was uh, a backflash to savage coming out on nitro uh, a nice bit of continuity from last week where we talked about how we got great characterization of kevin nash coming out and wearing uh, savage's shirt in solidarity it showed savage coming out in nitro wearing an outsider's top so we're starting to see through the clothes and through the mannerisms uh, the the fault lines being drawn very cleanly across the NWO organization. Um, it shows how uh, he makes a save for Nash when he was stuck in the Scorpion Deathlock. Nash was about to win the title uh, when Brett pulled out Nash, lays him out uh, on and lays out Nash and his mates until Steiner decks him. Um, so a bit of a kind of like, oh, it was a wild brawl on, on Nitro. You're going to want to tune in tonight and see what happens sort of job. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about these kind of just cold open on a replay as opposed to a cold open in the building like we've had the last few weeks? Uh, I know we, we kind of slagged it off the first couple of weeks, but I almost prefer the recap because I can I yeah. can see the idea behind starting the show with in case somebody missed Nitro. Obviously, replays weren't as prominent and pe- not, not everyone would have had a DVR or things like that in the 1998. So mm-hmm. I can see the sense in opening the show with a recap of what may have happened in the main event. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely uh, virtues to both ways you could do it. To um, Like, by by having something that's happening in the building like that, that night, like we saw with... Um, Bischoff trying to keep the footage off the air mm. or something like that the other week. Um, 
there's definitely a virtue that's saying oh thunder is its own standalone program that doesn't rely so much on nitro this is why you need to watch thunder but then as you say kind of it's nice to know where we're coming from because the way wcw is they they don't always explain what's been happening and there's a couple of occasions tonight where we only get an explanation now for the first time on thunder of things that have probably been blatantly obvious on nitro for weeks yeah i mean like if, if they hadn't just served us up the main event tonight of heart and sting together we would have been a bit baffled because mm. i mean there's been no interaction to say like they mm. are friendly in any way like yeah, it's bizarre. This thing is still fizzing up, by the way. I just want to let people know that. I don't, I don't know what the fuck is going on with this thing. You're jobbing out to this thing. Like it wasn't like I shook it up beforehand or anything like that. Um, as the show opens, we are let know that uh, Savage and Nash versus Bretton Sting is your main event, which is uh, um, an actual match they are doing on actual television for actual free for no real reason. <laughs> Three days before a pay-per-view, um, we should say as well. Three days before a pay-per-view. There's a couple of things like that on this show where they talk about televised matches that re- they really should be pay-per-view matches. Um, and that's something we've kind of addressed before, Lee, mm-hmm. is that um, Bischoff in particular, during the Monday Night Wars, was so obsessed with beating Raw in the ratings that um, there are multiple, multiple times, and this year, 1998, is particularly egregious, where he burns through programs and uh, potential pay-per-views, semi-main or main events, uh, all for the sake of trying to pip Raw in the ratings rather than try to kind of logically build stories at a reasonable mm-hmm. pace. Like, th- this main event in particular, like Nash and Savage, who, as you mentioned, we've seen grow close over the past month or so, taking on Sting and Hogan, or Sting and Hart. Like, that, that's a pay-per-view, if not main event, a semi-main. Yeah, and like maybe not in terms of like it may not you know tear the house down in terms of like being a, a technical wrestling classic, but uh, he, for sure in terms of like th- these are household names going at it in a tag match. Oh, people would be- pay money to see that. Like they for sure would, or at least like a thing where you would maybe not do it on pay per view, but at least you'd build to it for a couple of weeks on, on Thunder. It's like we got a big Thunder coming up in such and such a place, or we got a big Nitro coming up in such and such a place, and we're gonna do this match. Um, like it, none it, of that. It wouldn't be so egregious if they said, you know, the last Thunder before X pay per view, we're gonna have this mm. big time match to build and they use that build to then sell the pay per view. Yeah. But instead we get what, two days notice, three days notice. Mm. It's crazy. It's real bad. Um, so we move from that announcement into our first segment of the show, uh, which turned out to be one of the absolute best things I have ever seen or heard in my entire goddamn 30 <laughs> years of this planet. Lee. <laughs> I talked last week about how I turned a corner on one Marcus Buff Bagwell. Um, That's Marcus and, Alexander uh, Buff Bagwell. Indeed. Uh, well, excuse me. Yes, of course. Proper respect mm-hmm. paid. And let me tell you, if I hadn't already turned a corner, I would have absolutely turned a corner this week. There's this segment, Lee. (laughs) A vignette. uh, A piece of art, some might say. uh, That is just buff and a mirror and some jaunty camera angles. And he's cutting a promo to himself about himself. Well, I think he also is covering himself in oil. Now, At certain points. Here's the, thing. here's the thing, Lee. Sometimes you might say, well, 
those those days of thunder guys they're they're not doing their work they're just mentioning that this promo happened like how good a promo was it they're not really giving me the details well lee i have gone to the trouble of transcribing the entire buff bagwell promo oh my god and i am going to read it out for you right now <laughs> now i'm not saying i'm going to be able to deliver this like the buffer and i'm not even going to try but i just need you all to hear the words he said and like yes it's very silly but he's also quite serious about it as well at the same time now it needs to be said as well and i'm not going to do this because i don't need me me doing this voice on the internet for the rest of my natural life but imagine that he's saying this and i would say lee would you say a good 80 percent of this he's saying this to himself in a very sultry voice oh this man is in love with himself he like not only in love with himself but attempting to seduce himself like he's going to take himself out for a steak dinner and have a great night with himself after this kind of seducing, you know? And he might even call himself again after well, it. That's where the oil comes in. Oh, yeah. Right. So here we go. <clears throat> a dramatic reading of Marcus Alexander Buff Bagwell. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who has the greatest body of them all? You know who does. It's Buff. Look at me. It's amazing how you go that extra mile to be the man they call Buff. How can you flip the channel with this face on camera? Too much? You're so cool. (laughs) I am good looking. I got a great body. At this point, when he says, I got a great body, it smash cuts to him interrupting himself, going, look at the arms, and then kissing his bicep very tenderly. Perfect features, so amazing. Side shot, too much? Tricep, get a close-up on that. Wear the tattoo, you're just too sweet. I always gotta go the extra mile to become buff. People just don't get buff in the gym. You gotta live buff. You gotta be buff to be buff. You gotta look like this. And when you're buff, you got the stuff, the girls just can't get enough. Look at that. Buff, I could talk about you all day long. Buff is the stuff. Boom. <laughs> and then it just cuts. Wow. I felt like I was watching the promo all over again. Lee, it was a masterpiece. How was this I, man not world champion? I was in hysterical <laughs> laughter. This, like, right. So I watched it, pissed myself laughing. I said, I have to write this down to talk about it on the show. I watched it a second time and I couldn't type because I was still laughing at it. Like I, you know, I've attempted to do my best, uh, my best classically trained acting performance there without going too deep into the, the sultry buff voice. Um, it, this promo has to be seen to be believed. Yeah. It's quite something. And I must say, if somebody could play your dramatic reading of it over the promo, it's like edit my voice over yes. actual buff that, I don't know I don't know who has the time to make that nightmare fuel come to pass because I'm not going to do it I I, I, I I like the Thunder Buddies too much to do that if you if you um, ever want to imagine Dave Ryan as Buff Bagwell you know what to do and I mean like the, the resemblance is uncanny between us I gotta say uh, uh, oh. No comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. My goatee isn't quite as good. Uh, um, but oh, Jesus! I the great, the best promo 
so far on this it, I, I, this whole run. It is 100%, without a doubt, the best thing that has happened on our short, brief run through Thunder so far. Look, I love Jericho, and I don't want to disrespect Jericho and other people like that, like Paige and, and Benoit and people we've been enjoying, and Perry Saturn and Raven and things like that, people whose segments we've been enjoying. When they come on, I expect a level of entertainment. I never in my life, in spite of watching a lot of WCW in the late 90s, early 2000s, never expected as a grown man to be this entertained by Buff Bagwell, of all people. (laughs) And it was, oh, chef kiss. It was so good. So good. We then go into uh, the greatest wrestler in the world, Buff Bagbell, accompanied by Vincent uh, versus Rick Steiner with Ted DiBiase. Uh, it's a tough seven days for Rick Steiner because he's gone from the main event of Thunder last week to the opener this week. Um, Buff opens the match by taunting to increase his special bar so he can hit his finisher directly. <laughs> I love the Buff strutter. What what a taunt. Oh, oh what a man. Um, what a what a professional wrestler! Uh, Rick replies to this taunt by taking him down and beating the shit out of him, <laughs> and then clotheslining him to the outside. And I must say, when he clotheslines him to the outside, Ted DiBiase on the outside is absolutely loving life. <laughs> Ted is very proud of his boy Rick. What do you know? He absolutely is proud of his large adult son. <laughs> uh, Rick beats him and beats him, and then gets uh, gets up on top of the rope and. Scott runs out for a DQ. Um, at this point, I noticed there are three men on the hard cam, three grown men, allegedly, wearing bathrobes. Unacceptable. Well, you know what they were going for, don't you? Flair? Yeah. yeah. St- still, mate. Come on. Ah, it was 1998. Nobody could afford costumes. This is very much college fraternity got their pre-drinks on and had some bad ideas early in the afternoon sort of thing. Um... <laughs> Then, uh, as, as Scott is out to, to sneak attack Rick, fresh from a line dancing contest, Lex Luger arrives. <laughs> Looking like the sexiest lumberjack in the world. Uh, let's run down this outfit here. <laughs> uh, we've got a blue slash purple flannel vest, <laughs> an unnecessarily tight black mom jeans, and uh, what could only be described in my best attempt at a Dublin accent as a dorty big chain around his neck <laughs> what the fuck was going on here from what I remember Lex Luger's clothing selection will only get worse as the time advances so but do you know what like here's the thing right so in the the kind of southern states that WCW likes to go to he probably would look quite fashionable at the time and because again, like fresh from the line dancing contest, like this is definitely a guy who uh, like is doing his line dancing. He's listening to his Garth Brooks. I think he was doing lines uh, to something else, but oh, hey, hopping in his pickup truck—that's what he looks like here. Um, and we can relate to that, Lee, because this is a little-known fact, maybe for a lot of our uh, overseas listeners here. But possibly the only other country on this earth that really embraced country music in the nineties was Ireland. Oh, fucking hey, country music. <laughs> but like it was legitimately I can't even explain to you guys at home like so we're a country that tends to not universally but like if it is viewed within Ireland that our own homegrown talent has got a bit, bit big for their britches we're kind of like ah fuck them you two being the prime example Bono what a prick um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a popular slogan to uh, graffiti around in Ireland that says Bono is a pox. Um, And I don't disagree with the sentiment. Um, But for people who have shunned elements of their own culture in the past, boy, were we like really quick to embrace this very niche part of American culture that was uh, country music and line dancing in the 90s. It was like a phenomenon here. It was kind of like remember line dancing was kind of um was put across as the kind of cool and fun way to stay fit mm-hmm. you know uh, you know in as much as the kind of like yoga would later become um, and i mean and you're kind of, saying the 90s sure it was only what two years ago when uh garrett brooks had to cancel a couple of concerts oh that oh jesus don't bring that up that's jesus that's like bringing bringing up the war and there was man, like yeah. a national emergency there was emergency governing meetings there was like people yeah. willing to pay millions to get the concert to put back on yeah if you ever want to see what a ridiculous country our, our little island can be sometime just look up the yeah the the garth brooks croke park debacle um, that happened a number of years ago. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. But yeah, so country music was a was a big deal here in Ireland. Um, still, even still though, is. But, but yeah, there's like a weird Irish country music scene as well that's just not worth talking about. Normally, the concerts um, are about just, twenty minutes away from where I live. It's very yeah. Very weird. That rabbit hole goes deep and it gets very disturbing. <laughs> um, we've got our, our first cut to a backstage segment of the night and this is something that we had noticed a trend start last weekly mm-hmm. where um they kind of cut to pre-recorded interviews but it's the same interview just spliced over the course of a whole evening in little bits and pieces um and last week i didn't mind it so much it felt like it was giving a kind of a spine or a structure to the show mm-hmm. but uh, i don't know about you because they do it with two different interviews a hogan one and a brett one I feel like the shark was thoroughly jumped on oh, this. Oh, yeah, it's definitely overkill. It's like they had this good idea and then just went, let's do it with everybody. Yeah, so the Hogan one in question is like a classic NWO style kind of shaky camera promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Disciple is standing in the background, the booty man himself. Um, Hogan says Savage isn't smart enough to be champ after he jaywalked backwards in an eight lane highway and it's a sorry you got knocked down, brother. To which I was kind of thinking to myself, wasn't he very obviously in the middle of a parking lot when he got knocked that down? That was the highway. Uh, uh, yeah, apparently. And the Andre yeah. the Giant was 800 pounds. Yeah, I, I tell you what, the, they don't make highways like they used to looking at them here. Um, but at the end of the promo, he just says, Stinger, I'm ready to take my belt back. So kind of that whole paranoid, arrogant Hogan thing of him saying, like, he never lost the belt, he just wasn't ready to take it back yet. And do, do you know what? It's cl- it's- a lot of people talk about Hogan being like the ultimate politicker and you know a real bastard to work with basically but it's so clever on his part to just keep mentioning the world title because people will always associate that WCW title with Hulk Hogan yeah we're not for the fact that um, I have to take notes when I'm watching this there are points at which I would probably you could probably ask me who the champion was and I would just say Hulk Hogan just assuming because he's the only one that's always mm-hmm. talking about the title and of course part of that is down to the fact that Sting isn't so much with the talking at this point in his character at this point in history which um, like adds to his mystique in some ways but also when you've got the other fellow rabbit on about the belt the whole time it leads people to think well you know he's the star and maybe this is a transitional sort of thing going on here with Sting um, this next portion of Thunder Lee is brought to you by Valvoline um, 
Big Sexy is here and he has some things to say. He says, for two years, Hogan has been trying to convince people he can walk on water. Nash agrees. Uh, and in the most your dad joke of the night, he agrees with that sentiment that Hulk Hogan can walk on water because everybody knows a turd floats. Uh, he should be standing there uh, with the world belt around his waist. Did he say sexy I'm waist? I'm pretty sure he said sexy waist. Yeah. Uh, he says Hollywood couldn't stand the chance uh, that Nash could be champion. Uh, and that Bret Hart made the biggest mistake of his wrestling career messing with him. Um, I would argue he made uh, several bigger mistakes <laughs> in recent history with his wrestling career. Uh, but let's not legislate that, re-legislate that. Um, I, my favorite part of the, the Nash promo he- here is that it is a non-stop source of comedy to me uh, when, in all earnesty, Kevin Nash is referring to himself as Big Sexy. I mean, are you going to argue with the man? I can't. He's a very sexy man. He's very big. There you go. Um, he's very big. He's very sexy. Uh, can't argue with that. But when you're in the middle of like a serious promo about you're going to beat somebody up and then refer to yourself as big sexy, it kind of like it, it breaks the the suspension of disbelief Hang on. a little bit. Did, did Kevin Ash ever give a serious promo? I. It, you would be hard pushed to find one. That is for sure. Um, but I just love the idea. I'm gonna beat you up. I'm gonna, you know, I'm like I'm gonna claim the victory in this this heated match where they're like, and I'm gonna lead the NWO. But also, I'm very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said Hollywood has one chance to avoid what he calls Armageddon. Either team with him in the bat match, or he will be the one to drive a stake through the heart of Hollywood's career. He can beat Piper and Giant either way, with or without Hogan, and tonight he invites Hogan to sit back and watch what a real partner does when he and Savage team up. Uh, He says he makes the rules around here, not WCW, at which point he challenges Sting and Brett to a match that WCW had already booked. (laughs) Again, communication in WCW is not a strong point. Yeah, what do you think of Nash's promo here? I, I think he was like the star of the show last week, but this is a little bit more, more paint by numbers from where I was sitting. Yeah, it was a little plodding, a little kind of, like you say, you have those kind of funny moments and then he kind of tries to get a bit more serious and put over the NWO stuff again. And Yeah, it was just kind of dear. Um, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, you... It's certainly not, the, certainly not the worst promo on this show. Oh, no, definitely not. Um, I was just going to say, what do you think of uh, 2019 Kevin Nash on Twitter? Uh, the the woke hero, yeah, woke, Kevin, woke Nash. Kevin Nash. Yeah, I love it. The second most woke man in wrestling behind CT Flex. <laughs> He's even getting put over on this show now. Uh, Jesus, which is a, which is a, a reference I am not going to explain to Americans. You just got to look up the the, the main man CT Flexer to to get that one for yourselves. Woke, woke um, flexer indeed, indeed. Um. Our next interview is our next backstage is the Brett interview, which like it's kind of disconnected uh, bits of Brett kind of rambling answers to questions he was presumably asked by somebody off camera, possibly Glenn Joseph. Um, <laughs> possibly, we don't know where he was at the time. Um, he, this segment, he's giving advice to Randy Savage. He says, "What you need to do is get rid of Hogan, get rid of Nash, get rid of the NWO," which I'm pretty sure is. What, with the exception of the Nash part, is what he's already trying to do. Well, um, no, he wants to run the NWO. Did, 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 well, it's true, but if it's run by a madman, surely it's going to end up getting rid of. Well, this is the, the whole stupid part of it all. He just wants the NWO. Oh, he is, just doesn't want Hogan. 
<laughs> this is the stupid part. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, hang on, we're the ones sense. sitting back 20 years later watching it, so really, who's the dumb ones here? <laughs> yeah, we are definitely the stupid part of this equation, that's for sure. Uh, Brett ends this segment by saying, if you play with pigs, you are going to get dirty. Uh, as we start our next, or as we kind of like have our little buffer in between segments, we get to see a woman in the crowd holding a powerbomb this sign over a small child. I hope protective services were called on that woman. It was 1998, it was a different time. Yeah, we could all powerbomb a child or two back in the 90s. <laughs> uh, we then get a 60 Seconds with Goldberg video package. And apart from two qualms, um, one, that it wasn't 60 Seconds, and two, that they kind of, they so they edit the screen, the aspect ratio on the screen to make it look like you're watching it on an old kind of um, CRT monitor, mm. old TV. Um, but the distortion effect makes it kind of seem almost like a funhouse mirror instead of an old TV so I wasn't a big fan of that but apart from that like the actual content of the video package was tremendous yeah I I, I have one massive fucking problem with this go on they did the countdown so it was like you yeah. go 60 you see a spear a jackhammer a power move 58 another set of moves 56 blah 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 so on so on so on and they count down and count down and count down and they get to zero and the fucking clip still keeps going. It's not yeah. fucking sixty seconds. Yeah. Not even, not even close. Like it's probably about what ninety seconds, it, maybe even two. Yeah, minutes. It, it's just like why advertise a sixty seconds if you're not going to stick the fucking sixty seconds? Yeah, you could have just said this is the Bill Goldberg countdown or or something like that. Um, but the actual content, like just. You know, a minute to a minute and a half of him smashing people to bits is great stuff. Oh, it, it's like great content, but just they can't even advertise a fucking clip properly. Mm, yeah, that 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 much is poor. The the video package does get over the fact that he is not only unbeaten but possibly unbeatable, and ends with the catchphrase "Who's next." Uh, which is one that will echo throughout uh, Billy Big Time's run on Nitro and Thunder for the next while. Um, we then go into our Goldberg match for the week, and it's Goldberg versus Barry Darso. Uh, Tanae pops up on commentary, and I think puts in the best shift on commentary for the night in this short match. Not a hard uh, accolade to win, we will say. Mm, no, <laughs> uh, even though the three lads haven't been overly bad so far, I think this wasn't one of the nights where they were in their prime, no. that's for sure. It's it's one of the, the times on this show where I've noticed I have the least amount of, oh, the commentator said this and it was mm-hmm. cool. Uh, whereas I kind of, our notes used to be full of that stuff. So yeah, Tanae is on commentary and he's kind of just breaking down over the course of a minute, minute and a half about kind of like his theories on why no one's been able to stop Goldberg so far. Uh, and just as like that no one can seem to beat him. He said that submission specialists have stood the best chance against him so far, but really all they've been able to do is slow him down. And it's like he's trying to, it's almost like he's trying to figure out and break down like you would if it was an actual fight about what styles work and slow down Bill Goldberg and could be effective against him. Uh, and I really like yeah, that. Yeah, no, it, that that was really good. I really enjoyed that, especially considering they're saying that um, at Spring Stampede it's going to be Saturn versus Goldberg. So they're, mm-hmm. they're really laying those kind of seeds of doubt that you know Saturn has the tools to take down Goldberg. For sure. Um. The, yeah. The, and I, and I like that. I think they're probably conscious on some level. At least some people are there. But uh, the the downside of an un, of an unbeaten streak is that very quickly 
there starts to be no credibility to his opponents. Mm. You know, they're like, oh, he's just going to steamroll through Perry. So you got to try and build up uh, particularly pay-per-view opponents from whatever bit if he mills through people on the te- on on Thunder. Like. Oh yeah, because if you if you're beating nothing but you know crap, what are you? You're just crap. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, he he kind of he bigs up his football credentials as well, which is kind of shades of '90s Jim Ross talking about <laughs> like you know, oh he has actual athletic background as well as this stuff, um, and talks about him rooming with Kevin Green from the Carolina Panthers. Uh, as you say, Goldberg versus Saturn is official for Stampede now. Uh, the match is basically Goldberg hits a shoulder tackle, uh, attempts to rebound Spear off the ropes. He gets tossed out by Darso. And even though it's a very simple athletic feat, I think it's one of his best ones. The speed at which Goldberg gets thrown out of the ring, turns around and runs back into the ring was alarming, mm-hmm. I would say. And he, he, doesn't he get, he hops back in over the top rope? Yeah. Um, just the speed, the, mm-hmm. the agility, unbelievable. Uh, and then just wham, hits up with the spear, jackhammer, and we are at 73 and zero. And just in case, Lee, you had gone to the bathroom for this and had missed it, the replay comes to you via the Thunderburst Slam of the Night brought to you by Cineburst Gum. That Cineburst Gum sounded to- really nice. It just seemed to be like was like bubble gum with hints of cinnamon in it. Yeah, it was something. like juicy fruits with cinnamon, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I did like that uh, Bobby Heenan referred to the Jackhammer as Jackhammer City. Mm. Jackhammer City, bitch. Yep. Uh, we go back to another clip of the Hogan and Disciple interview. Notable for the fact that this would have been the best segment on any show that didn't have that buff promo because in the course of this very short segment he refers to Nash as a big spoon is there like an urban dictionary for 1998 where you can find out what he means by referring to him as a big spoon no but I'll tell you what allow me to consult urban dictionary and see what a big spoon now we obviously know in the context of spooning maybe it's the fact that you know on the NWO tour bus the nights get lonely that's a disturbing image and Nash is the big spoon and Hulk is the little spoon right yeah speaking of pre-recorded segments we got a video package for Raven versus DDP and considering this is the go home show for the pay-per-view Lee I think this is a pretty decent and informative video package to explain why you should care about this match yeah it kind of went over the the whole run of the feud and it was really well cut I thought I really enjoyed it yeah absolutely um, it's a match that I was looking forward to anyway but it's always good for the TV audience especially on these go home shows to kind of remind them of that especially you know the old Stan Lee principle that every uh, you know every comic book is someone's first comic book so mm-hmm. like this could be someone's first episode of Thunder They're like well why the fuck do I care about this moody dude and the tall guy with the weird hair um, so there you go uh, Tony on the ramp with JJ and and Lee we've had on these 14 episodes of Thunder many times where the WCW executive committee have uh, teased big announcements but I think I can safely say especially considering where we know where history pans out with this company this is the first time where I think it was a legitimately big announcement here from JJ Dillon mm-hmm. he has the announcement that there will be a US title match on Nitro after Spring Stampede the winner of the pay-per-view match between Raven and DDP will defend against Goldberg he says the committee has taken note of the streak that Goldberg is on and that he has earned the shot uh, and this is another case I think Lee of uh, classic WCW popping a rating 
Oh yeah, like they they absolutely should have had Goldberg win, like go for his first title on pay per view. Ima- like imagine the boys they could have got. Oh, uh, there's absolutely no good reason why they shouldn't accept to beat Raw in the rating, which I'm sure they did. Mm-hmm. I, I, absolutely, they probably did. Um, my takeaway from this segment, and I can't unsee it. Go for it because now now it's been said to me. Someone mentioned to me that at this time, JJ Dillon looks a lot like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, he does it all. He does it all. Okay, yeah. Now I'm. <laughs> I just. You can't unsee it, can yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a tough one to get out of my head. That's going to be a tough one. <laughs> uh, next, we have Booker T versus Rick Fuller, inexplicably, for the television title. Well, that that's easy to explain. Go for it, continuity Malone. Every TV, when when you're TV champion, every match is for the TV title, especially when it's on TV. Especially when it's against Ric Fuller. Well, Ric Fuller's a very deserving challenger. I mean, I guess so. Um, He's a big guy. <laughs> he could win. About I mean, who, who are you to doubt Ric Fuller? Ultimate 90s wrestling fan. Why is he a title? He's a big guy. <laughs> He's a fucking unit, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Give that big fridge a fucking shot at the belt. That's what I say. I mean, it's worked for Braun Strowman for the last two years. Hey, so. look, less slander of Frosty the Strowman on my watch. Frosty the Strowman. Big strong lad is okay <laughs> in my books. Frosty the Strowman. Jesus Christ. Uh, it's at this point where, for the first time on Thunder Out Loud, somebody, namely Mike Tanay, finally explains that the reason for the no time limit stipulation for Booker and Benoit at the pay-per-view is because they had the two time limit draws on Nitro. Uh, I think one of the first big occasions where we've clearly missed out on a big chunk of story by not watching Nitro because we, we didn't see either of these matches. Yeah, and especially considering we know the feud these two go on to have. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed we haven't seen the origin of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in between those two matches and in light of the, the Super Brawl performance a couple of months ago, Booker is really positioned here as kind of the marathon man. He's got the cardio. He can last deep into matches, whereas kind of um, Benoit's thing is you know, the high impact. He's going to try put you away and make you hurt. Uh, I thought Rick Fuller got a lot in this match, um, but I guess the, the idea of it was to show Booker as a man who can get hit with the kitchen sink and won't stay down. Yeah, show show off his resiliency as it were before the Benoit match. Hits an almighty spine buster uh, and a few sidekicks. Actually, there's uh, you know pulling us out of thunder for a second. There's something WCW related we could talk about. Oh, Lee, of course, yeah. Lee, there are a few spots that have been going on since I was a child and long before that still to this day in 2019 will get an enormous pop out of me every single time. Uh, the chief one being every time Steve Austin stuns Vince McMahon. I will I will never not <laughs> I, I think Brian Alvarez once explained it as uh, or maybe maybe Vinny on the Brian and Vinny show with him uh, one of them explained it as like every segment that features both Steve Austin and Vince McMahon you know is going to end with Steve Austin stunning Vince McMahon you know that's how it's going to end and because you know how it's going to end it's tremendously entertaining watching how they get there Oh yeah, 100%. You know, um, and one of the other great kind of uh, well-worn spots in wrestling that I love is when Double A Aaron Anderson hits a spine buster 
Um, and periodically since his retirement, he will do the thing where he interferes in a match, comes in, <laughs> stalks behind some young buck of the day, and floors him with a spine buster. And he did that live on pay-per-view last weekend uh, on Sean Spears. And I'm not ashamed to admittedly, lost my fucking mind for the spine buster. Uh, do you know what? I watched it, like I said, I watched it the next day. Yeah. And I did not know anything that happened. Yeah. And as soon as Aaron started walking out, I lost my fucking mind. I was like, ah, they're going to do the spine buster spot. And, and you know what? You know what? With the age and the condition he's in, still hits a better spine buster than 80% of wrestlers I've seen hit a spine buster. The Aaron spine buster is one of my, I'd say one of my top three moves yeah. ever yeah. in wrestling. Rightfully it's so. Just so fucking great. Like. And I gotta say, uh, it's such a great spine buster that of all people the rock popped huge on twitter for it did you see this yeah, i saw yeah, this yeah. the interaction with uh be our life yeah, today. Yeah. he quote tweeted it just like spine on the pine and said it was a great call by jr and in fairness like jr didn't have a great night on commentary but he absolutely came unglued for the double a spine buster as you would expect well see that's because aaron didn't have to pin sean spruce yeah, yeah so he couldn't give out about the pin for- yeah but I love, I love how um, my favorite thing about Aaron doing the interference spine busters is that he routinely, when he does them, like he rolls straight back out of the ring, and then he like he's talking some sass, almost like he's so mad at himself for having to kill a young man with a spine buster. I love that. That that's in my head can head canon now. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Aaron, Aaron is so annoyed at the match not going the yeah. way it should. It's kind of what it's kind of like the way now on the indies, uh, Pack as a heel gets so annoyed with himself having to do flips because he knows the crowd's <laughs> gonna love it. <laughs> Which is like my favorite continuity thing in wrestling at the moment is Pack getting annoyed at having to flip. Um, Pack does a flip and then gets annoyed at himself. Like Aaron knows that he could shorten a young man's career with his spine buster, and just like when the shenanigans reach a certain point and he has to lay that spine buster, it's like he hates himself for doing it. It's like a much cooler version of the Johnny Gargano "Why am I so violent?" face, <laughs> looking at the hands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and do you know what? I, I, Tully's reaction was fucking brilliant. <laughs> Tully was as well. so appalled he just left the ringside area. <laughs> It was like he was going after him and then was like, oh shit, I better not. But yeah, again, for us, like, <laughs> old wrestling fans, uh, such a cool bit of, like, because obviously Aaron and Tully, more than a little bit of history between the two men and they're mm-hmm. bigging it up a bit, like the enforcer of the horseman coming out, Tully, his partner, uh, from the day being absolutely stunned as why as to why his friend has done this to his new, you know, management charge in Sean Spears. Great um, stuff. Actually, seeing as we're talking about Aaron, are you going to listen to his podcast? what he, you don't notice no he's doing a podcast he's doing a conrad podcast i probably i probably will listen to that yeah <laughs> so like yeah <laughs> oh man i love double a i really like i really love double a so much so much so that i completely derailed talk of booker t who i also genuinely love just to push <laughs> about aaron anderson in 2019 hitting spine busters yeah i believe i think it starts the week of uh, AEW TV I could be wrong on that wow yeah that'd be an interesting one especially because he's agenting for um, mm-hmm. for AEW and and he was in WWE as an agent a lot longer than he was in WCW he was yeah like a good 15 plus years um, mm-hmm. being a producer for WWE like a lot of stories there I'm sure but anyway um, as a huge spine buster from Booker T a few sidekicks uh, eventually puts away Rick Fuller with the missile dropkick which uh like has fast become a real devastating don't kick out finisher 
Um, I, I w- despite, peop- despite people already being dead from the kicks. Yeah. Um, I will say as well, uh, commentary, at this point there was clearly plans for Rick Fuller, or at least kind of they were very hopeful for Rick Fuller because even in defeat, and even though Booker T was in a pushed program for the pay-per-view, uh, commentary really were at pains to put over Rick Fuller, and not just in the way where they wanted to make sure it was that Booker beat a guy that was credible. It very much seemed like, hey, like, you know, he he lost, but Rick Fuller is a real title contender and he'll be back, you know? Well, look at the size of him. He's a big guy. Big fucking fridge. Big unit. And I believe, I think he got a lot of uh, tours to New Japan at the time, so that's probably part of the reason they were kind of protective of him. Size of that lad. Hogan uh, segment, again, this time in black and white, uh, basically said the same thing he said the previous two times. He never should have lost the belt in the first place. Yawn. Uh, another video package then just video package central tonight but it's the go home show so you kind of like there's a little bit of acceptance there as opposed to if it had been a few weeks ago Uh, this one about the simmering tension between Nash Hogan and Savage Um, I like this video package Lee for the most part I thought it built the tension and explained the story and the dynamics between the three men quite well the only part I didn't like was in the middle of it all after talking about the conspiracy about who attacked Savage they just cut to a promo where Hogan is just one step short of going like yeah I defo did it lol yeah it's just like it kind of just defeats the whole purpose of it all yeah, isn't yeah. It? it defeats any subtlety that has been in it so far like he I think the line is something about how he hit a couple of speed bumps in traffic and it does big like exaggerated winking um, yeah. very very poor that part of it but like for the most part again a good go home video package apart from that um, Tony, you, I was just going to say you, you'd, you'd almost forget that Giant and Piper are in the match. Yeah, you would, but they're they're next to not important at all uh, in this. Uh, Tony on the ramp announces that it will be Lex and Rick Steiner versus Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell at the pay per view. Scott and Buff are out, and they are absolutely appalled. Uh, they say they're not showing up for the pay per view. Buff Bagwell <laughs> yells, "What would his mom and dad think?" <laughs> <laughs> I love I love this continuity that Scott Steiner has not talked to his parents yeah. since and, he and has apparently turned. they don't have a fucking television. Yeah, I mean, why would they watch wrestling? I know, even though one of them wasn't the mother in the crowd at the last pay per view. Was she? Was she? Oh, am I thinking of? She was definitely in the crowd at some point. I've definitely seen her in the crowd at something. Maybe I was watching. See, I've been watching a bit of WCW on the network, just out of. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely saw her in the crowd. It's was it Wrestle was it WrestleMania. Really, I don't remember that. Yeah, anyway, like maybe it's a false memory. Like the, I don't know. We'll move on anyway. Just in case I was match or something was it? Just in case I I just like there was a gas leak in the house and I've imagined it or something like that. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, they're insisting that even though they're being compelled to by the WCW uh, committee that they're not going to show up. They refuse to take part in the match. Our next match is Scott Norton with Vincent versus Benoit. So much Vincent on this show, so little time. Um, Scott, uh, which has become, I think, in every Scott Norton match, it's like his little cheap heat territories heel tactic, uh, is that as the babyface gets into the ring, he just bum rushes them (laughs) and just starts to try and take them down uh, before the bell. Um, I really hope that uh, this does build and build and he does this in every single match and then there's like uh, a match six, eight months down the line when we've just gotten so sick of it where he goes to bum rush somebody and just gets low bridged and flies out. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think now I think the ultimate for it would be he goes to do it to Goldberg and Goldberg just spears him just grabs him by the throat and kills him yeah um, Scott Norton just bullies around Benoit for a long time in this match uh, until Benoit ducks him on the outside and Norton forearms the ring post uh, Norton mm-hmm. regains control of the match only to wait too long and eat a couple of German suplexes uh, Benoit goes for the cross face Vincent distracts to the surprise of nobody he tries again Vincent interferes DQ um, I think I think Vince missed a cue the first time. Yes, he definitely did. There was definitely like where both Scott and Benoit were kind of like, "Where the fuck is he?" Yeah, it it was a bit um, haphazard, shall we say? It also seems that Norton is bleeding hard way here. Would that surprise? No, you? not at all. I, I he seems to have one of those foreheads that if you just look at it, uh, you get some hard way blood. Do, do you know what? In the history of wrestling, there's probably few men I would rather not have been in the ring with than Scott Norton. Yeah, that's a that beefy bastard, that's for sure. Um, Brain pointed out during this match, uh, in kind of like a, an absolute burial of Scott Norton matches, that all he ever does is like beat a guy up and walk around just over and over again, which I thought was like, I think it's Brain just being a bit tired of watching Scott Norton <laughs> matches and calling them a nitro. Uh, Booker comes out to help Benoit, and once again, Benoit doesn't appreciate being helped out, shoves Booker over in a repeat of what happened on Nitro. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get another Brett segment where he explains that Nash is scum and Hogan is worse. Nothing could make him happier than watching the two those two snakes kill each other off. Once again, yawn. I will say some of Brett's delivery are better than some of his promos here, especially when he tries to cut babyface promos. There is that to be said, but it's just, it's overkill. You could have just condensed these answers into one interview segment, or you could have just picked the best one answer and delivered it at a crucial point in the program where it would have made sense. But this just feels like you're trying to kill time and buff between matches. Um, We get a Saturday night tease that's going to uh, have a program featuring Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, The Barbarian, Reese and The Flock, plus Scott Steiner, which I thought was brilliant. That, like, the headliners are Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Barbarian, and then Scott Steiner, who is a very hot act at this time, is kind of the afterthought in this announcement. Um, I, I bet you'd be tuning in for that episode, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Re- recent action. Oof. How could you resist? Um, next, we have Shivani in the ring with Piper and Giant. And this was an interesting segment to me um, because it was visually a fantastic segment because Piper cut a promo on top of Giant's shoulders but mm-hmm. as I'm sure because I saw you tweet about it Lee you will want to talk about uh, in the canon of Roddy Piper promos this was towards the bottom end I I thought it was shy <laughs> I mean he just rambled and fucking rambles and rambles I have no idea what this man was talking about Yeah, I love- he, me- he, mentioned, he mentions Denver a lot that's all I remember yeah. The, the visual of him sitting on Giant's shoulders with a big shit-eating grin is great. Loved it. I thought it was going to be brilliant. If he got a good promo in that position, it would have been absolutely legendary. Um, I like... I, I, I think it was Brain. Um, as he comes out sitting on Giant's shoulders, he's like, is this a preview of their game plan? And I really hope it is. I really hope their plan is to wrestle while giving a piggyback. Um, that would be great. Uh, and it, it, maybe Piper's one good line in this points out that because he's up so high on Giant's shoulders, he's like, now I can get a bat from any place. Well, what, if he was on his shoulders, wouldn't that be more appropriate for the spring break episode of Nitro? Yeah, they could just because, wrestle each other into the pool. Yeah, like, you know, remember when you'd be in the pool and you'd have, you know, one person on each other's shoulders and you'd have a, 
a fight and for sure whoever got knocked yeah. off lost maybe that's it maybe they're just get, kind of getting in their spring break credentials a year early or <laughs> yeah because i'm sure that that beach party with uh with mean gene and the nitro girls has already happened by now that we heard about um the lawsuits are probably on on the way ongoing yeah they're working their way through the courts (laughs) that's for sure uh next up we have super colo versus kurt hennig with rick rude once again rick rude to the commentary table with the cutting jab of stagger away lee to poor lee marshall um there was an (laughs) there was quite a moment on commentary during this match don't know if you caught lee um that was on par with uh, another moment that I'll discuss in a second. So um, Tony asks, what's the deal with the handcuffs uh, that have been coming out in Kurt's matches lately? Uh, we saw it against uh, Jim Duggan last week where he got handcuffed mm-hmm. to the uh, to the ropes and got beaten down. And Rick's rude response was, I think you could say interestingly, uh, he said, you don't need to know what they're for. Sometimes we use them in matches. Sometimes we use them after hours. <laughs> God, and this very uh, this very that, much reminds me of the uh, the infamous Triple H on commentary. I'm by a lot of things, and Lingual ain't one of them. <laughs> oh my God! Did you ever hear that? I remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah. there's the the infamous from the where he pauses. He's like, "Did I just mean to say it?" And then Jr. in the best no sell of that man's entire career was like, "Regardless, we're live, pal." <laughs> Oh, God. Which, you know, you can take your, uh, oh my God, he's broken in half, or stone cold, stone cold, stone cold. Uh, I will take we're live, pal, over almost every JR moment on commentary. I, I don't know how that's not more famous than the, uh, the Sid Vicious promo. Oh, yeah. Oh. But anyway, the uh, yeah the handcuffs are being used after hours. Hello. Uh, that, that That's very your dad went to Ann Summers, isn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> Henning vicious in this match with Super Colo, uh, like very much kind of on the offense, very quick, very aggressive. Uh, Rude says this is being done to send a message to the British Bulldog. Colo hits a missile dropkick off the top, and Henning takes a fabulous bump. Oh, the bump on that missile dropkick! Uh, it reminds just... me very much of the who was it? The bump that was uh, taken over Twitter. The gif of the Buzz Sawyer. Oh, through the ring, yeah, yeah. yeah that it, took that, that's the, yeah. took the like the backflip bump through the ropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was reminiscent of that in its fabulousness. Just when it when he returns to wrestling, just don't show Charlie Sterling that. that oh bump. my god, or do because like someone showed him that Buzz Sawyer gif, and he immediately did it in the next match. Um, but this match is kind of nothing. That ends with a perfect flex for an easy win. Mm. Um, um do, do you know what one thing I've noticed about Kurt Henning in the time we're doing this uh, podcast? Tell me. So Kurt Henning has been a member of the NWO the whole time, yeah. Yeah. As far as I'm very, aware, anyway. A very prominent member, pretty much. Yes, he would. He would probably be the the top of the B tier. Mm. And yet he never wears NWO merch. Yeah. He probably he doesn't looks have at like, it and he's like, fuck off. And yet, like he doesn't have NWO like logos on his gear, nothing on his knee pads, yeah. nothing. Like, Only for the he, fact that they talk about the NWO, you would have no idea. Yeah, it, it's just like he, he joined the NWO and they were like, yeah, I'm not getting new gear, fuck that. Yeah, I've, this is already very nice gear. I don't want to spend <laughs> any more money, fuck that. Um, 
So, yeah, another Hogan segment here. He says DDP doesn't want a title shot because Hogan has the money, the power, the backing. Once again, yawn. Uh, then we're back to Chavo uh, with Eddie Guerrero, obviously, versus Jericho. Uh, I howled because uh, during the introductions for this match, Tony Schiavone said, and I quote, Now, unlike some other organizations, when we tell you we're going to have a match, we're going to have a match. Lee, I don't think this is true at this point in WCW history, and I don't think it gets any more true as time goes on. No, fucking Jesus Christ, like of all the things to brag about. <laughs> yeah, like at WCW are doing a lot of things at this time. That's not one of them. <laughs> like they do a lot of things right on this show. Yeah. But Jesus, like they, they do advertise matches and they, they go, what, a minute, a minute and a half? Yeah, if even. Um, Jesus Christ, like, come on, Tony, I get that you're enthusiastic about the product, but come on. This is the this, this is the Tony I don't like. Like I I love Shivani like you read about, but when he's really like just bald face lying about things rather than just the usual level of embellishment, I'm like ah no sorry. Um, there's a great bit uh, from Brain here during this on commentary, mm-hmm. where he's talking about the Goldberg match. Um, and it's kind of something that hadn't been hit home in the announcement. And Brain is talking about how, like, you all better tune into Nitro next week. Because Nitro is going to be historic no matter what happens. Because one of two things will happen. Either Bill Goldberg lifts gold for the first time in WCW, or Goldberg is defeated. And he said that he's going to bet the house on Bill Goldberg. Um, which is... And it's such a good selling point. It is. You're like, yeah, man, either way, that is a very significant Nitro that's coming up around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent stuff. Uh, for a minute, uh, in this match, back to Chavo versus Jericho, uh, Chavo appears to be surprising Jericho and looks like he might be capable of an upset. Jericho is just kind of like a little bit um, surprised at how in your face Chavo is and how mm-hmm. uh, he's getting the better of him. Jericho gets him in the tamer and Chavo like gallantly fights towards the rope. Uh, once he gets the rope, Eddie slaps his hand away. Jericho pulls him away <laughs> right to the center of the ring, sinks it in deeper. Chavo yeah. taps out uh, and then holds him in uh, the Lion Tamer when Prince Ikea, fabulous Hia, shows up and smacks Jericho with the scales in the head in a call back to last week's weigh-in. Uh, they brawl to the back. Eddie is in the ring with a microphone and a very angry Chavo. Tells him to remember his promise to Eddie. Eddie thinks that it's hilarious that Chavo thinks he could beat Jericho, even though it looks like he might have. Uh, he said, if you can beat Jericho on Sunday, the deal is off. If he loses, he's in a world of you-know-what. And we get our 1-800-collect replay of the win. Well, see, Eddie fucked up. He said Jericho first of all. Yeah. And then he had to repeat it and say Ultimo Dragon. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's Ultimo against yeah. Chavo on Sunday. Um, One thing we didn't know about this match, mm-hmm. Chris Jericho has probably my favourite pair of this era of tights that he wears. Yeah. Describe them. It's the half and half. So it's like one side is like the glittery silver, um, that kind of sil- silvery metally effect, and the other side I believe is the black and red, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think so. Like, I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Obviously, it's two week, two or three weeks since I watched the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that kind of half and half effect that he had on a couple of sets of trunks, and I always thought that was the best look. Mm. Yeah, it's it's iconic for him. Mm-hmm. Um, next we have Hogan, Easy E, and the Disciple coming out. Uh, there are lads in the crowd during this entrance with NWO for life on their chests, and the guy who drew the four on himself made an absolute fucking hames of it. <laughs> Just put your t-shirt fucking back shambles. on, son. You, it's been, a, uh, yeah, it's an absolute shambles. 
Easy E said the people are lucky and he himself is too. One of the first things he learned from Hulk Hogan, one of his rules from life, never ever litter. I, I must admit I did laugh at that. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant, yeah. yeah. And I have to say, I love Bischoff in this era. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just, just... Absolutely, uh, look, we've said it before on the show. Bischoff, the, the person, the businessman, not a huge fan of. Bischoff, the wrestling character, fabulous. Ah, oh, like, I wouldn't trust him to get me fucking weekly shop. Never mind fucking <laughs> run a company, like. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But he's just so fucking smarmy and just, oh. Lo- the, like, he looks at Hogan. Loved him in, as the Raw GM years later. Brilliant. Like, the way he looks at Hogan, just, like, actual love in his eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hogan says the whole world is littered with bodies that challenge his powers. He's left promoters laying, begging him to come back and save them. He even left wrestlers uh, laying who challenged the power of the pythons, which is a great line. And then invoking the greatest line of all time from earlier, as far as that big goofy spoon goes, he's going to give him one last chance to, uh, (laughs) to save his Armageddon because if he challenges Hogan, he'll just be another body left laying. I also love in the middle of this promo how a bald man is calling out, out another man for having grey hair. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, on a lighter note, he says he understands jealousy, as he himself made wrestling, which is uh, one for the history books there. Uh, he's very rich and has the downside, which is that the first mention of downside guarantees we've seen? Uh, probably would be, yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised Scott and, or Kevin didn't beat him to it, considering till to this day they bring that up any time of asking that they got the same money as Hogan yeah yeah. Uh, and he says his new movie is premiering that week and he was on Jay Leno so he saw Jealousy then uh, interestingly I was trying to see what one of Hogan's rich canon of films was debuting around this time and I think it Suburban w- Commando I think it was Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain Ooh. It com- is, that, is that the one where he had the really bad to- uh, toupee uh, yes, and he's got the toupee, and he's got the mustache, uh, and the kind of uh, what's the name of his character? In it? Oh yeah, yeah, Dave Dragon. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Dave Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just Dan- why didn't you just call him Danger Dragon or something like fucking Jesus Christ? Uh, it's good. interestingly, it's got a two point nine out of ten on IMDb. <laughs> Uh, but that that yeah that movie comes out like right in the middle of June this is like towards the end of April so uh, I'm assuming that must be the movie he's talking about because um, I think there's another movie out around this time but I think it was a straight to video one so I don't think that would be one he'd be on Jay Leno for um, but anyway um, not only is the belt his Hogan says but he spoke to the NWO and they all decided he's the only man who deserves a title <laughs> shot and he will get it back <laughs> Fucking since when is the NWO a democracy? I picture that very much as being like a like like a Putin election result in Russia, <laughs> where it's just like, hey guys, hands up who thinks I'm brilliant. I was going to say it's a bit bit more topical, a bit more uh, Boris Johnson esque. Yeah, I and mean, then anybody who doesn't put their hand up and agree with Hulk kind of gets ushered into another room, and they don't really see them again after that. <laughs> Sent to the gulags. Yeah, uh, Hogan rips his shirt off, gets on the rope, and then swivels his hips in a way I can only describe as akin to party boy in Jackass. Jeez, <laughs> I was almost expecting like a do 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 music to start. <laughs> Oh god, no Captain Cena. There you are, yeah. <laughs> you gave me Philip Seymour Hoffman, I give you Party Boy Hogan. You Party are Hogan. Welcome. 
<laughs> Jesus. Um, if somebody can make that happen, yeah, make that happen. Just that exact gif with the, just the party boy music underneath it. Yeah, good times. The, the, the Hogan face. Yeah, party boy. Um, another Brett segment. Just basically says all he wants is a shot at the world title. Don't we all, Brett? Don't we fucking all? Um, Tony is back with JJ Dillon. Tony wants to clarify details around the world title match on Sunday. Uh, JJ is certain. Uh, this is funny. Like he's asked one question and then goes off answering one or two completely unrelated questions. He says that those things he's certain of. He's certain that Goldberg will challenge on Monday. Tony didn't ask that. He can assure us that Scott and Buff versus Lex and Rick will be taking place. Tony didn't ask that either. Then he gets on to Savage. He says that Savage, uh, for Savage to be allowed to compete, he needs a release from a doctor. No cast on Sunday is specified. Macho wanders out behind him. Savage says he has no jurisdiction over the madness. Uh, he says, That's a great line. Yeah, it's great. No jurisdiction over the madness. It should be a t-shirt. Uh, he says he should be more concerned with people with three hairs running him over. Uh, JJ rebuffs and says they can't prove it was Hogan, even though absolutely everybody knows it was Hogan. Uh, and Hogan has said on video, it was Hogan. Yeah, yeah. The only person who doesn't seem to, the only people who don't seem to realize are some of the commentators and JJ Dillon. Um, but Savage will have to prove that he is fit for Sunday, even if they can't prove it was Hogan. Uh, he says he's willing to take matters into his own hands at WCW, try to stop him, so he's going to be there Sunday anyway. Then we have uh, the Matt Classic that was Brian Adams with Vincent. Vincent, who is triple-timing on this show, versus Giant with Piper. Adams rushes Giant early and tries to cut him down. Doesn't work out too well for him. Giant moves in for the choke slam. Vincent in to interfere, which is, I think, the most... I think I've said that sentence more than any other on this program. Disqualification. B team runs out for the beef down. Piper comes in and instead of fighting, decides to stand on the bottom rope, howling at Giant as he cleans house by himself. So I have to ask, why? Like why of, all thi- of, of all the of all the of all the things that WCW advertised, why didn't they advertise that Giant would be wrestling? They never even mentioned it on the show yeah, so itself. Giant is still a pretty big deal at this point. So, yeah, it's it's quite odd that this is just a kind of, like, just out of nowhere match when I think... He just wanders out, like, that's... Not everybody, but definitely some people would have, like, oh, Giant is wrestling later. Yeah, I'll, I'll stay tuned for that shit, you know? Um, We get a, a video package. Raven is sad about stuff. Didn't really... To get too many of the salient details past that to be honest with you that could be any Raven video yeah I know couldn't it that's just him in a nutshell and then we get Perry Saturn with Billy Kidman versus Silver King uh, Tony says they have two major announcements and we're right back to major announcements that aren't really uh, Brain is going to Evansville and Nitro is coming to the Nassau Coliseum uh, which is their debut in New York they said uh, mm-hmm. Saturn brutalizes Silver King hits a, a, an absolutely class belly to belly off the top uh, it, uh, a head and arm suplex not a belly to belly oh yeah sorry my apologies you're right it, um, and as, then, as a massive Taz fan you have to get these variations indeed. of suplex correct god forbid god forbid it was a rocket buster that's for sure <laughs> Um, locks in the rings of Saturn for the victory against Silver King uh, then we have a video package again uh, but this is like a diamond cutter super cut and I love the diamond cutter so I was happy to see this video package um, this, this one was better than the Goldberg one yeah and it gets over the diamond cutter as a like he hits it once it's lights out sorry mm-hmm. 
you know. Uh, then we cut into Tony with DDP in the ring. DDP doesn't want to talk about Raven now. He wants to talk about Goldberg. He references Brain calling Goldberg the Millennium Man, playing into the idea that Paige is a student of the game watching tapes. So this is kind of like Paige is saying, you know, I've got my own stuff going on, but I've been watching Goldberg. And, you know, I know what's going on with him. He says that learning about the Goldberg match makes him even more jacked up, uh, feeding into the idea that he seeks out the best to defend against. Yeah, it plays into the DDP character that, like, he just mm-hmm. wants the best competition. He wants to prove himself to be the best by facing the best. So he's really psyched uh, the Goldberg match is happening because it gives him that little bit more incentive to get past Raven to test himself against Bill Goldberg. Great little bit of characterization there, I think. Real, real good babyface stuff, like... Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although his closing line, what? Not good. I said his closing line is not good. Oh, indeed. Yeah, I'm just getting to that now. Yeah. Uh, he wants to see eye to eye how bad Bill Goldberg really is. He says that Raven shouldn't think he's looking past him, though. Says Raven doesn't know who he is. Paige knows he's the guy coming to Spring Stampede to get what it what's his, and Raven is the guy getting banged. <laughs> Might that be the line you were thinking of? Yep. Yeah. So Raven's getting banged at pay-per-view. Presumably it's an over-18s event. <laughs> I mean, maybe some people bought the pay-per-view for now. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder he was so sad. I mean, big spoons, people getting banged. So yeah. it's, it's all going on on this show. Yeah, I'll tell you what, spring stampede indeed. Um, one more segment with Brett, talking about all the people he respects. He respects Benoit, he respects Giant, he respects DDP. What are you saying, sorry? I hate Brad by the end of this fucking (laughs) show. There's a couple of answers, and they're just like, they're so dull by compared to... uh, It's just like, go away. It's like, the guy he respects most of all is Sting. If Sting ever needs him, just call. And can I say on on behalf of the Thunder audience at this point, please, Sting, lose his phone number. (laughs) Don't call him. Don't... Just don't go away. Don't just yeah. Fuck off. Mate. Go back to Calgary. Fuck off. Uh, main event time as we have Savage and Nash versus Sting and Brett. Can I ask you what the fuck was up with the ring announcer screaming Randy Savage? I don't think it was the ring announcer. I think it was a fan. <laughs> just one booming fan. Like cause there was no ring introduction happening. There's no like weighing in that you just hear Randy. I I I I maintain that a fan jumped the fucking barricade and grabbed the microphone or something. It's fucking bizarre. Um, Tony makes a point that they would never run out of time and sell the fans short, which is fucking hilarious. No, what's coming up later in the year? Come on, Tony. And again, he says that they promise something, they deliver. For fu- his credibility is shot to shit by the end of this show. You know what? AEW sack him. Fuck it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Retroactively sack him for that one. Uh, he says this isn't wrestling. Hee haw. Uh, match. Oh, start- <laughs> uh, match starts with Brett and Nash throwing hands. Uh, the match goes at a decent clip. Uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. Going back and forth. Uh, Sting locks Savage and Deathlock. Nash uh, playing into that bit of characterization that Nash and, and uh, Savage are looking out for each other and they're on a better page than either mm-hmm. of them are with Hogan. Uh, when Savage gets put in the Deathlock, Nash drags him under the ropes, showing he's a good partner. And I'm kind of reflecting at this point where I'm like, God, it's weird enjoying a Thunder main event. But did you enjoy this match for the most part as well? Yeah, it was. I know it was tracking on Brett, but like, it was actually a decent match. 
Yeah. Like, for, for the main events we've been getting over the past couple of weeks, like, this one actually was a match. Yeah, it looked like the men involved were actually, like, pulling the finger out and, and having, a mm-hmm. like, a, a decent effort. Um, while this is happening, the commentators are doing a hell of a job putting over the uh, the pay-per-view and the, the Nitro with, with the the Goldberg match uh, in this go-home segment. Uh, it finally comes down to Savage versus Sting. Sting goes for the splash, at the splash. Uh, Savage wellies him with the cast, which I thought was clever, as he's going uh, for the yeah, splash. N- nice bit of uh, storytelling as well, that he won't have the cast on Sunday. Yeah, he won't be able to block that come Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes for the elbow, the disciple is out, shows him off the rope for a DQ. Uh, Hogan is here too going for the arm Nash pulls Hogan off Savage the B team featuring Hennig's Pajama Zubas are here uh, <laughs> as the show goes off the air uh, even though it ended in the usual NWO schmoz, schmoz I, was, I was enjoying it to that point I think yeah no it was, it, it's one of the better like main events we've had which is weird to say considering the ending yeah but like it really built up the idea of Savage and staying on Sunday at all yeah no, it absolutely did, and it kind of let me in a position where I'm kind of tentatively uh, excited for this pay per view. I will mm-hmm. say, I, I think uh, I, I I don't remember. I can't remember ever watching this pay per view. No, I no, think, right. I I think this could be a good one. Mm. Is this the part for the go home show where you do your usual thing to me? I I didn't even bother to make okay. a fucking list. <laughs> well, hold on. I, I, then I'll turn the tables on you. Oh, okay. Just give me a second. First, I'll go to our new feature on the program, as I'm Googling this. Um, I will go to the new feature on the program that I uh, gave the very short and breezy title of the Dave Ryan patented WCW Thunder non-finish bullshitometer last mm-hmm. week. Um, and my final tally... Uh, margin for error of a match or two here or there as my attention span started to go uh, I have nine matches with four clean finishes four DQs and one interference leading directly to a finish So that's not bad for a thunder not bad for where things would go but still more than I would like that's for sure right Lee <clears throat> we have at WCW Spring Stampede 1998 we have ten matches. Ten? Ten. Okay, right, okay. I'm just gonna go off the and matches I, that were, I, were I'm just about on double the show. I'm just double checking as I look here, and none of them are a dark match, so it is ten actual honest to god matches on this show. Okay, right. You'll start at the top. Savage Sting. Yes. Hogan Nash versus Giant and Piper. Yes. Goldberg Saturn. Uh, yes. DDP Raven. Yes. Benoit Booker. Yes. Jericho Ikea. Yes. Uh, Chavo Ultimo Guerrero. Ultimo Dragon. I was going to say Ultimo Guerrero. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, Oh, uh, Steiner and Bagwell against Steiner and Luger. Mm-hmm. How I, many I, more is there? I don't think... I think you only have one left. Um, and I don't think you're getting it, because it's not... Uh, I, I know what it is. It's Kurt Henning Bulldog. Oh, sorry, yeah, there's two matches. There's that one. There's, also another, there's also another one. <laughs> you're not going to get that one, because I don't you think fuck. this is one that was built up on Thunder. Uh, ooh... I'm trying to think of who's featured on Thunder a lot. Uh, 
it's probably a fucking Ric Flair match or something Jesus I don't know it's not funnily enough uh, so let me run you down the card so everybody can look forward to our next episode covering Spring Stampede uh, we have Goldberg versus Perry Saturn Ultimo Dragon uh, versus Chavo Guerrero Chris Benoit versus Booker T the British Bulldog versus Kurt Hennig Prince Ikea the Fat Pack Sovereign versus Chris Jericho for the WCW Cruiserweight title that's also a, a martial arts title match indeed um, we have Steiner and Luger versus Steiner and Bagwell we have Hollywood Hogan and Kevin Nash uh, versus Piper and the Giant we have Paige versus Raven we have Savage versus Sting for the WCW title and the match that Lee missed we have Sikosis versus La Parca. that's not a match that is a match and it's actually longer than a couple of the matches you did get oh fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> At least the park is on pay-per-view. I mean, that's a good thing. Indeed, yeah. Um, Maybe. Swings and roundabouts, I guess. <laughs> uh, Lee, give me your impressions on this episode as a whole. It wasn't bad. I mean, the, the Bret Hart shit can get into being. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it wasn't boring. But I think they tried to do too much. Yeah, I mean, like like I said earlier, like they had this good idea last week with the um, the cutaway segments with the interview, like splicing it up into different parts, mm. and then they just overdid it with two different people on the same show, and it just felt too much. Yeah. Um, the NWO drama was really central to the show again. Yeah. And that is getting a bit fucking tiring. Like it, it. I kind of I want to get to where it goes. <laughs> Yeah, can we do something a bit different? Please change it up. Uh, yeah, I'm already getting to that stage as well. That's for sure. And like I say, I'm hopeful for like listening to that that card for Sunday for the pay per view. I'm hopeful that's a good show. Yeah, well, so far we've we've had a good run of decent pay per views. Um, it would be a shame. And from what I remember of this time, I think it's a while before they start routinely being shite pay per views. So we might get a good one here. Um, give me your winners and losers, please, sir. I think the winner of this show and it, it's it's kind of a, an easy one to make it's Goldberg yeah. because well, he's been put over so strong yeah. well I hate to tell you you're wrong uh, but the winner is absolutely Buff Bagwell uh, <laughs> but you know Bill Goldberg's a, a second nice second I guess is, is, is Bagwell now the default winner of every episode for you oh he might be well as long as Lex isn't showing up <laughs> Oh god, I really hope that flag is in in Oberhausen when we get there. Oh yeah, so uh, check out our 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 Twitter, uh, WCW Thunderpod. Uh, as we're recording this on Monday night, uh, I retweeted uh, one of the guy, one of the WXW guys. I can't remember who it was. It Dennis. Yeah, the one of the photographers, wasn't it? Yeah, one of the photographers from WXW um, showed a a photo of one Chris Hero holding up an American flag with a giant Lex Luger face on it. That absolutely especially in the context of our Lex Luger fan in Germany story from episode one of this program that you should absolutely go back and listen to um absolutely I mean that that, that that's a flag I'd salute yeah um just oh it's the flag printed on my heart my friend um <laughs> who, who lost this show um Bret Hart yeah he I really mean, went it, down in my estimation I had actually so did, I had I find Bret Hart, even though I enjoy a lot of his matches, I find him very tedious. Yeah, he's you know? just... You and can tell his heart was, just isn't in it. 
Yeah, he's just... It's like that week where he dressed up, where he came in dressed like he couldn't give a fuck a couple of months ago, but he was <laughs> he was conveying that with his mouth rather than his wardrobe this time. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. But, like, it's just the most nondescript answers to, like, even if they were shit questions, like, liven it up, you're a fucking wrestler, you're an entertainer. Yeah. You wonder how many fucking takes that took to get any sort of life out of oh, it but Brett, and one, they still got shit one. It had to be one, he just did it and just went, yeah, fuck <laughs> yeah, that. It's like, you're just going to use, it's like, have you ever, I wonder was it that he just didn't want to do it. Have you ever heard the famous story of um, Harrison Ford on Blade Runner? No. So, you know Blade Runner, obviously. Like, it's Mm -hmm. one of the most famous sci-fi movies of all time, like 1982 or something like that. So, it has a long history with the different cuts and things that have been made to the film. And a lot of people tend to agree that either the Ridley Scott director's cut or the final cut that came out um, about 10 years ago, maybe a few more, um, is the definitive version of Blade Runner where it's a really good film. Uh, the original version of Blade Runner that came out in the theaters had been like studio noted to death where they edited things and did things that neither Ridley Scott, the director, nor Harrison Ford, the star, really wanted in the film. Chief among these things was that originally, uh, this may blow your mind if you've seen the final quarter of the director's called Blade Runner, originally that movie had heavy narration throughout from Harrison Ford. Okay. In a film where, like, the main thing about it is how well, like, the visuals and the, the mm-hmm. kind of subtle bits of acting do the, the like, fill in the gaps for you. It was real fucking horrible, on-the-nose monologuing <laughs> from Harrison Ford. But famously, Harrison Ford so badly did not want to do this uh, at the studio's suggestion that apparently he deliberately did it really bad and really flat. Oh, really? Okay. And, like, if you listen to it, you can tell. Like, he's just... I've never heard anyone, Bret Hart included, phone it in this much. (laughs) Uh, You should look it up on YouTube. It's an an absolute hoot. But, yeah, Bret Hart, I'd have to agree with you that the loser of Thunder, episode 14. Um... That's going to do it for another episode of Days of Thunder. Um, Please subscribe to us on uh, whatever podcast platform suits you. Check us out on the PWO Podcast Network. Interact with us uh, online, be it at WCW Thunder Pod on Twitter, where myself and Lee are fairly constantly replying when the the chat is going back and Mm -hmm. forth. Um, And I, I think we can... We can conclusively say, Lee, that we, we always have great time for our Thunder buddies and enjoy the engagement we get on there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, whether it's on Reddit or on Twitter, on any of the forums that we post the show on, um, leave a comment, leave anything about the show, about WCW, we will get back to you. Yeah, we're always watching uh, for responses, so like we, we will get to you in time on, on like... You know, obviously human error aside, but we we do love to keep the conversation going on there. We'll throw a few tweets during the week when we're when we're watching stuff for the next show and things like that. So at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter, and it's the best place because I'll post all the links with every single show. So if there's a podcast format uh, or podcast platform, should I say that you want to follow us on, I'll be pimping the links out of there every time there's a new show, and you'll know when the new show arrives because I'll be tweeting it out. Um, yeah, uh, individually, I'm at the day to Dave on Twitter, and my good pal here is uh, at Malone underscore seven one three. We'll be back in two weeks for Spring Stampede nineteen ninety eight. So until then, take a breather, relax, have a sandwich, 
or half full of shreddies like I'm probably going to have uh, <laughs> after this recording um, because we've got a, a bumper pay-per-view to talk about next time so relax recharge we'll see you in two weeks on our next stop on Thunder Road it's all good let me jump in please in the trumpet a little bit of the bubbly in my life a little bit of the bubbly by my side a little bit of the bubbly that's all I need a little bit of the bubbly that's what I see a little bit of the bubbly in the sun a little bit of the bubbly all night long a little bit of the bubbly here I am a little bit of the bubbly it's your man. Oh.